everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone who was a guest on season one, and I've asked her to come back. We've met virtually through this pandemic. She is currently the training and events coordinator for liturgy training publications in Chicago. And that's kind of how we met and how we know each other. It's Rosina Hendrickson. Rosina, welcome. Thank you, Julia. It's good to be back with you and part of Seven Mile Chats for a second time. Yeah, thank you for being back. I have um, one other friend who is was on season one, and she's also going to help close out season two. But you're in a very like elite group that have done both seasons. So thank you for doing that. You are welcome. It, it's just a privilege. I enjoy chatting about scripture, and it's always a joy to talk with you. Thank you. Likewise. And I actually, full disclosure, asked you to come back because I really love talking about uh, the scripture passage that you're going to read and then and discuss with me and chat with me about. Yeah, it was kind of like ulterior agenda that I had. I'm like, I need to get Rosina because we're going to talk about Christ the King soon. And um, you're the perfect person to do this. So thank you for doing it. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself and your background? Okay. Um, Well, as Julia said, I work as the training and events coordinator for liturgy training publications, which means I work with parishes, dioceses, individuals to help form them in what it means to be a liturgical people, to live out the mission of uh, being priest, prophet, and king, their baptismal call, of full conscious and active participation in the liturgy. I also serve as the coordinator of family faith formation for my parish, uh, St. Thomas the Apostle, in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago. I'm trained as a coach through the International Coaching Federation. I write a blog. I have about 50 different things I do. I teach online, (laughs) facilitate courses. But ultimately, it's about sharing faith, about sharing the message of Christ, that wonderful word of evangelization. It just kind of drives everything that I do. Amen. And and that and you've like changed since last season. So last season you were in a different position, a different place, and now you're in Chicago. And um, I don't know if you want to share me what something that you love about Chicago now. Like what's something that like has really struck you as you're now a Chicagoan? <laughs> um honestly what has struck me is diversity. Diversity of Mm. culture, diversity of people, diversity of lifestyle. And I've lived all around the country. I've been in Alabama, Texas, California, South Dakota, Iowa. I went to grad school in Minnesota. You know, I've kind of been everywhere. And I have, well, not everywhere, but Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the same type of diversity. My parish is ethnically diverse with a Hispanic community, an African-American community, um, a Vietnamese community, you know, those kind of areas that I worship now with the universal church, not, Mm. not just in a sense, an Anglo community, because that's the demographics of Mm -hmm. the town in which I'm living, but that the different flavors of what Mm -hmm. it means to be Catholic and to be universal is just amazing and striking to me. I live in an ethnically Hispanic neighborhood or Latino community, and and it just has a different flair. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I wish that more people got to experience that universality that you were mentioning. You know, I think that is the beauty of the Catholic Church. I'm super biased, obviously, but I think that, you know, anywhere you go, uh, the people get to add their own flair, as you mentioned. Um, So that's awesome that you get to experience that. And I wish, again, more people could experience that, too. Uh, So you're going to be we're going to be talking about Christ the King and the gospel for this upcoming feast that I'm very excited about. So um, when you are ready, I'm going to have you read from John uh, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Pilate said to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this on your own or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Okay, so typically, like I said, I have people pick, but I kind of like asked you to do this verse because we are coming upon the end of the liturgical year, which ends with the Feast of Christ the King. And you and I, as I mentioned, we met kind of doing these virtual retreats for liturgy training publications during the pandemic. And so if I'm not sure when I'm going to air this yet, but if it airs before we do our presentation, you also should sign up for (laughs) liturgy training publications for our presentation on November 18th. But um Rosina is going to be presenting this this gospel and this reflection um, on that evening. And so um, just a little back, background on the Feast of Christ the King. You know, it changes kind of depending on the liturgical year, the readings. But I, no matter what liturgical year we're in, I feel like we always get these these beautiful readings of just a different kind of king. Um, and hopefully we can get a little bit more into that. But we get a description of a king that is very humble and broken and often like of Jesus kind of where we're at in John's gospel right now, like right before he's about to accept his cross, which is not what the world that, that was expecting a Messiah was was hoping for or maybe expecting, you know, that, that their king was going to have to embrace this cross and embrace this death. And John's gospel is always very philosophical and um, we, we, you know, it's not synoptic. We get this kind of lovely conversation between Pilate, who is the Roman um, administrator, the the person in power from Rome, the Roman official here in Judea at the time. And, and I love this interaction. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. But yeah, wh- where would you want to start us off with, with this passage, Rosina? Well, I actually want to pick up on something you just said, Julia. You talked about the different understanding of king. Mm -hmm. And I was reading a resource, a course published by Liturgy Training Publications (laughs) this afternoon. Um, This is not sponsored by Liturgy Training Publications, but maybe it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to take that back to my bosses and see. Yeah. But um, no, it it was something I was looking at earlier today, and it, it says in this resource that If Pilate had looked at the Jewish understanding of kingship found in Deuteronomy 17. Mm -hmm. So what we hear here is an understanding of kingship that comes to us through the scripture. And Mm -hmm. it's that a king, the king of Israel was not about battles or attacking or conquering. Mm -hmm. 
His duty was to read the law of God and obey it. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what Jesus did through his whole life? I mean, mm-hmm. we know we know that he is God, but in that sense of being able to provide an example for us, to show us mm-hmm. the model to follow. And so this idea of king as a conqueror, or king as someone to be revered, is not what the true Jewish understanding of kingship would have been hmm. or should have been if they were truly following the law. So I, I was really mm-hmm. intrigued by that. Because with that context, then, looking at the passage, we recognize that kingship isn't about this world. It's about the next. It's about where Jesus came from and then being able to testify to that truth. Yeah, I I love that you brought that up. And that's making me think of, you know, as a scripture teacher in the Old Testament, I think back to Samuel anointing the first king, Saul, you know, it was... It was out of kind of like God catering to the people at the time who wanted a king. Like he was supposed to be their king, the you know, the Lord. He he wasn't supposed to they weren't supposed to be like the other nations around them, but they wanted to be, so they asked for a king. And then Samuel and God, you know, anointed Saul as the first king. And I feel like that's kind of where it went downhill because Saul wasn't, you know, the best. And then mm-hmm. and then David, you had, were mentioning that maybe the true identity of a king wasn't supposed to be this like battle warrior, but David kind of was that. So maybe that's where I personally get my kind of idea of what they interpreted a king to be. I don't know. Am I wrong Mm -hmm. in that? I I don't think you're wrong. I think it's what it turned into. Mm -hmm. That may not have been the understanding of what the Mosaic law, the Deuteronomic Mm -hmm. law called us to, Mm -hmm. or called the Israelites to, but it's what they saw. It's what they Mm -hmm. knew. It's what they understood. Mm -hmm. And so in asking God to provide them a king, they wanted what they saw everybody else having. Right. Which I think reflects a challenge and reminds me back in, you know, in Exodus of the whole, we left Egypt, mm-hmm. but life here is hard. We want to go back to Egypt, even though we were slaves. Life, mm-hmm. we knew what we were getting there. Um, I think it comes back to that understanding of God is calling them to something different and Mm -hmm. the hesitancy of the Israelite people to embrace that which God is calling them to. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is, I I love this, like doing this podcast because I never know what direction we're going to go. And then just like a couple things that we say take me in like a completely different direction that I thought that we were going to go. But I, Mm -hmm. I love how this, what we just talked about can relate so much to today, right? Like that we have maybe this concept of wanting to be like other people or wanting to be like what we see, but that's not what our real identity necessarily or what we're called to be, just kind of like this real identity of kingship, as you're mentioning in the Mosaic law, you know, then the Israelites kind of like, you know, I mean, and, and we are the Israelites, right? Like we get, we get influence. That's kind of where I'm going with this. Like we mm-hmm. get influence so easily, just like they did. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that, but. Right. I just I fin- just finished teaching a course on the Pentateuch, and I'm currently teaching a course on the beginning of John's Gospel, the Book of Signs. And in it, that that same principle we're finding every time I have a conversation with my with my students is that it is we see ourselves in that passage. Mm-hmm. We are able to understand how how it relates to us today, which I think is the beauty of our scripture. Mm-hmm. That it's not something that was there 2,000 years ago, 3,000 mm-hmm. years ago, 4,000 years ago, and only applied to them. It's the living word of God that 
calls us to transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to ch- change and transform our understanding of kingship in the 21st century to reflect more what Jesus is at calling us to or that mm-hmm. kingship that he is telling us he is embracing. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, he, he never admits he's a king in this right. passage. Mm-hmm. He says, Pilate calls him a king. You mm-hmm. say that I am a king. But he, he doesn't ever use that term for himself. I love this, like I mentioned in my introduction, like I love this interaction with Pilate and Jesus. Pilate's such a mysterious character in John's gospel. I feel like John is, he's not, he doesn't, um, he kind of paints Pilate as innocent in this. And I know there's many reasons for that, that like, I think that he didn't want, or they didn't want to show that it was like Pilate that killed Jesus or, or Jesus didn't die because of the condemnation. He died because he wanted to free us from our sins, you know? So it wasn't mm-hmm. just because Pilate condemned him to death anyways. Um, but what do you make of this interaction between Pilate and Jesus, this kind of like philosophical, like what is truth? Who is a king? What is a king? You know? As I said, I'm teaching a course on the first part of John's gospel right now. And one of the things that we teach in this course is this idea of the importance of questions and the importance of answering or the technique of answering a question with a question. Mm-hmm. Because in a in in that way, Jesus is never actually responding to the question because he's asking Pilate to make his own declaration. Mm-hmm. That we don't he's not providing an answer. And so I I love that technique because it's calling Pilate to question what's going on inside of himself. Mm-hmm. And it calls mm-hmm. us to do the same thing mm-hmm. um, for it. it. It's it's really powerful in that way mm-hmm. because because Pilate is coming. We we can see here. I mean, or maybe I can see. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. else can see it, <laughs> but I can see that Pilate is like, wait a minute, what really is happening? Because if you say that I'm not a king, I have this feeling that that Pilate would say, okay, well then there's no crime against you. I'm you know, I won't hand yeah. you over to be killed. Right. Um, that I don't have any authority really to kill you mm-hmm. because I don't see that you've committed a crime. All I see is this testimony, which in John's gospel, testimony has a whole language and power of its own as well. That if you refute this testimony in a way that I can accept, I'm mm-hmm. not going to hand you over to be killed. Right. But yet, and that wasn't part of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. That's not the plan. Right. right. You know, and I, I, I love too that Jesus, and we were talking a little bit about this, I think just in liturgy today, um, like I love that Jesus meets literally everybody in the scripture that he encounters, like kind of where they're at. So you had mentioned that like he's getting Pilate to question within himself, like what his identity is or like what he believes Jesus's identity to be. And um, even in the moment up until his death, we see in the stations of the cross too, like with him meeting the women, like he's always encountering other people and, and getting them to, I don't know, just like reflect on themselves and not him. And, and that's just, that's going back to the idea of a King, like that servant, that servant leader, king it's just so beautiful like that he takes the time with the people and really cares about the people you know it's not about him right and that's that's the message that he gives us you mm-hmm. know that that last verse for this i was born and for this i came into the world to mm-hmm. testify to the truth mm-hmm. so jesus is telling us that his whole life is about testimony mm-hmm. his whole life is about witness but it's not witness to what he wants it's witness to the truth mhm and truth, I really feel like in our Catholic world, you know, when everything is capitalized, that means it's like universal and big and mm-hmm. bold. And we need to follow. I feel like that truth needs to be capitalized. Mm-hmm. It's not 
it's not capitalized, of course, in scripture, but mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. That universal truth of who God is and what God's message is and his love for us. I came to testify to that truth, mm-hmm. that God loves you so much that he sent me. God mm-hmm. loves you so much that he created you. God loves you so much that fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. All the rest of this is passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, vanity of vanities. Or right. Ecclesiastes 1, 3 is to everything there is a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, I love, I was struck by what you said about um, that his whole life is witness. And again, we have a God. That's why I just love this Feast of Christ the King so much. Cause I, I mentioned no matter what readings you get, cause they do kind of switch um, depending on the liturgical year, no matter what readings you get, you get like this very humble. You know, it's just not he just is constantly showing us that it's not about him. He his whole life was a witness and up to this mission. And like you even said, you know, Pilate, the way he phrases it and the way Jesus phrases back to Pilate, it's because he needs to complete his mission. And if maybe if he had answered him differently, that wouldn't happen. You know, it's just it's all about the witness. It's it's all about um, that mission, which is I just I think we lose sight of that. You know, our ideas going back to what we were saying earlier about like what kings are, what leaders are is so different, you know, Mm -hmm. so foreign from this. Right. The other thing that strikes me is actually the title of this feast, of this solemnity, is Mm -hmm. Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Of the Universe, yeah. (laughs) It's not Christ the King. We we shorten it that way. We that's our Catholic slang in a way. Mm -hmm. But King of the Universe, Mm -hmm. it's it's so much bigger. It's so Mm -hmm. much broader than what we might think of, of of an earthly king. Mm-hmm. You know, king of England, king of France, king right. of Siam, you know, let's go sing the king and I. It's, <laughs> it's so striking, though, that because it is the king of the universe, that still, you know, it, it's that title sounds so grand. But yet we have a, a very I keep saying the word humble because I don't know what else to use. Like, it's just he he could be he is grand, but yet he comes to us in bread. He comes to us at the cross like he comes to us you know as a a child in the manger like but it is interesting so i when we're doing our presentation to plug again the the presentation on the 18th um i'm doing the revelations which is much more of like this glorified which is echoing the daniel which is much more like the lord triumphant like on the throne right like in Mm -hmm. his glory which i think is the visions that we often think of when we think of like christ so then it balances so much with the gospel that you're presenting on you know like i just i don't know what do you make of that like the way that we have the readings kind of all paired up for this feast it's amazing and for those of you who don't know what the readings are i will give Mm -hmm. them to you because i have them all in front of me the first Mm -hmm. reading is daniel 7 verses 13 mm-hmm. to 14. Our responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 93. The refrain is, the Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Mm-hmm. We hear verses 1 to 2 and 5 there. And then our second reading is from Revelation 1, verses 5 to 8. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to read them all to you. You have to go read them yourself. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they do they do present that image of royalty, that image of right glory of power of majesty i mean even that responsorial psalm refrain mm-hmm. the lord is king he is robed in majesty yes because that is ultimately who god is mm-hmm. he is our king who we are to in a sense be obedient to be subservient to but not in a way like the medieval in medieval times when the serfs would swear fealty to the lord of the manor that's not mm-hmm. what god is asking for us he's asking us for the gift of our lives 
the gift of understanding. So we are recording this in the week of the 31st Sunday of Ordinary Time, and our reading, our gospel reading yesterday and first reading were Deuteronomy and Mark hearing the greatest commandments. Mm-hmm. You shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your mind, your strength, and heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus calls us to. That's the image that we get in this reading from John, which is completely different from a glorified king. Mm-hmm. The contrast is striking, but it pairs yeah. and it fits together because our God is both. Christ right. is both. Yeah, that's very well said. I When I was, we for RCIA, we always look at the upcoming Sunday readings. And um, I was kind of talking about the the passage that we had yesterday and just where it is in Mark's gospel, you know, we, it's getting, Mark's got 16 chapters and it was like chapter 12. Um, so we are getting close to this end, you know, and Jesus is the end of his mission, um, the crucifixion, everything. So the fact that he's connecting the covenants that he's going to fulfill and referencing Deuteronomy. Anyways, I could nerd out. That's a whole nother podcast for another time. Actually, I've done an episode on Mark's or Mark 12. So, um, but yeah, it's, I love, I just love our, I love our liturgical cycle. I love how everything just lines up so perfectly. Like the church has thought about all of this so that we don't have to, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think we do still need to think about it, but it's right. presented to us for us to think about it. I don't right. have to go hunt in these, in these right. last three <laughs> three weeks of ordinary time for these eschatological, that's your Mm -hmm. vocabulary word for the night, your eschatological (laughs) readings. Yeah. Because the church has set them for me. Mm -hmm. And I I love the fact that our liturgical year is not a calendar year. Mm -hmm. I love, I I remember last year, Julia, you talking about how much you love celebrating New Year's Eve and New Year's Day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that newness and that we get to do that twice, three times Mm -hmm. if you celebrate Chinese New Year too, but that's not on mm-hmm. my personal calendar. Um, <laughs> but that we get this opportunity to reflect and pause and think about our end. Not, well, it is our earthly end too, but our heavenly end, our eternal end, our destiny, what we are striving for. You know, these readings for these last three, four weeks of ordinary time and the celebration of Christ the King call us to be outward focused to be other world focused, to recognize that that call to eternal life comes by following the path that Christ gives us, by following the law, by following the prophets, by worshiping in spirit and in truth. It's hopeful. I mean, I think some people may say these readings are doom and gloom and why do we even have to hear them? But I think they're more filled with hope than they are challenge, concern. Mm-hmm. struggle. It's understanding um, the literary form of what we're reading, of understanding what revelation is, what apocalyptic literature is, what eschatological facts are, you mm-hmm. know, for us. It transforms, or at least it has for me, our understanding of what these weeks are and what this feast is. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think when we think of apocalyptic, we definitely think like doom and gloom and oh my gosh, and you know the second coming and and that that's a scary thing. But I mean, that's, we could get into a whole other thing with that too. But um, but but in, for the terms of this piece, like in, for for focusing on this piece, it's it's this idea of God and His glory, and and that's a beautiful, radiant thing. And when I do my reflection on Revelations, I'm going to talk a, like a little bit about because my verses talk about like this triumphant 
you know, and, and that that triumph and that victory is good. That means it's good for us because, like you were mentioning, we get to go to eternal life. We get to have this opportunity in heaven because he's won this victory. Like these are good things, you know. But I think that again, our earthly concept, we get just so focused on like I don't know what we can't have or what the the negative might be. But like he's already won the victory. It's a good thing, <laughs> you right. know. Right. Resurrection is good. We want resurrection. This is good. <laughs> right. Right. And we and we get to start all over in a new liturgical year with the first Sunday of Advent and this waiting. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting here in these last weeks of ordinary time as well. We're waiting for our eternal home. Mm-hmm. And we wait for that in Advent as well. But we also see the promise coming forth. That's a mm-hmm. prelude to Advent, but we won't get into Advent tonight because we still have to <laughs> we still have to celebrate Christ the King. But you're right. You, we do in Advent, too. We talk about kind of like the second coming before we talk about the the birth, the incarnation. Like we we talk about it then, too. So there are these bookends where we end the liturgical year with this kind of, uni, you know, universal apocalyptic kind of idea. But then we also we talk about that when we begin the year, too, which is interesting. Right. And I don't think people realize that, you know, it's not just all baby Jesus. <laughs> it's it's that waiting for the second coming, too. And. And if I put the plug in for Advent, Advent is a season of waiting, of hope, of joyful expectation, and our secular world jumps right over it because we don't know how to wait. We don't know how to be patient, to be silent, to be still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And if we look liturgically and through the lens of faith, we can't go immediately from this feast that we're celebrating here of Christ the King to the manger. Mm-hmm. They, there's a connection, but we need to make that transition. It would almost be like if we celebrated Christmas and then the next day we celebrated Easter, mm-hmm. you know, right? It, we have to see that progression. We have to be transformed through our life and through living to be ready to celebrate again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, as we, we kind of are winding down here, were there any other points and things that you wanted to talk about regarding this passage? We've talked about a lot, but what else would you like to say before we wrap up? I, I think, and maybe I've, I've said a little bit of this already, but I think what it is important here is that this is part of Christ's destiny. I mean, and I hate that word destiny because it makes it sound like, you know, foreordained or preordained or whatever. Right. But that he understood this. He understood that this was what his mission was, to testify to the truth that it would require sacrifice and um, offering of his very self. And what are we being called to sacrifice? What are we being called to offer to be able to honor the call that God has placed on our life, be that through our baptism, be that through a vocation to priesthood or religious life or matrimony, generous single life. How has God called us to testify, to be witnesses, Mm -hmm. to be able to honor that truth? And how can we be um, faithful to that? Mm -hmm. That's really well said. I I love how you wrapped everything we talked about pretty much up in a little bow there. That was perfect. Like that, that idea, because I always like to leave like how, you know, what is our takeaway and what can, how can we apply it? But, um, you know, we've talked about how he was a witness and this was his purpose, but us as, 
as baptized Christians too, we have entered into this mission. And so we too need to be witnesses um, to truth because we're following Jesus. So I felt like that was very well said, very well wrapped up. It's given a lot of for us to think about as we enter into where I probably will air this, um, you know, the Tuesday before we have the Sunday reading. So coming up. So I think this is great reflection. Um, what else would you like to, to say? Anything you want to plug or any last, last words? I think I just, if, if we do air this, if we, if you do air this before <laughs> our, our reflection session, I would just love to plug our Thursday night reflection on uh, Thursday night, November 18th at seven o'clock Eastern time. We are going to Julia, myself, uh, my colleagues, Michael and Lene and Vicki, we are all going to gather together and break open these readings for the Feast of Christ the King. Um, you can find out about that at um, one of our partner websites from Liturgy Training Publications. It's catechumeneon.org, C-A-T-E-C-H-U-M-E-N-E-O-N.org backslash events. I sure hope I spelled that correctly. It's a big word. Um, it's a big word. <laughs> it, it, we could have a whole podcast on what a catechumeneon <laughs> is, but um, you know, that's, that's one place or you figure out how to get in touch with Julia, which she'll tell you how to do and she'll send you the link directly. <laughs> um, it's just great to gather and break open scripture and this community that we've had really feeds each of us mm -hmm. who participate. So I mentioned that you and I kind of connected in the pandemic through these virtual sessions and um, we haven't been doing them as frequently. So I'm really glad that you are all are offering it and it's free, right? This, this one's free session. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, usually you had to sign up and subscribe and everything, but this is free. So take advantage of it. It's a great way to close out the liturgical year and you get to hear from us again. <laughs> if you right. liked what you heard, you could hear it again. Um, and you can find more out about uh, me and contact me uh, at Seven Mile Chats, all spelled out on Instagram at Struckley one M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1. On Twitter, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out if you'd like to be a guest for season three, currently booking guests for next year. I'm so excited to do this for season three. And thank you again, Rosina, for being a guest on season one and season two. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Julia. Bye, everybody.